Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Every now and then we hear stories of extraordinary feats done by ordinary people, and sometimes we call them heroes. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chan takes a look at this concept of a hero. As we think about the uh, character of God, uh, I thought it would be helpful to really look at Psalm 91, which Helen is about to read. And as you hear uh, Helen read Psalm 91, as this is a series on the character of God, look at all the words and phrases that really point to his wonderful character. And so now please stand as Helen uh, reads for us. I will be reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 91, verses 1 through 16. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because they love me, says the Lord. I will rescue them. I will protect them for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but uh, we all have favorite psalms. Some people like Psalm 23 or whatever. And for me, Psalm 91 is uh, one of the most famous psalms in the Bible, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, Did you hear the words that point to God our hero, Savior. Psalm 91 says he's our refuge, our fortress. He saves us. He guards us. He rescues us. He lifts us up. He protects us, delivers us. And then it ends with these words, he is our salvation. 57 times in the Bible, God is referred to as Savior. Jesus is our hero, Savior. And I call him hero, Savior, because anyone who saves another is a hero, And that's the definition of a hero that we have come to know, especially with the popularity of the fictional superheroes like Marvel and all that who battle evil forces to save the world. 
Uh, but what most of us don't realize is that heroes, if you think about this, are not obligated to save anyone. They do it out of the goodness of their hearts, for it is their character. Jesus is God, but he is not obligated to save people. He's not obligated to suffer for them and be tortured for them, let alone be crucified for them. He's not obligated to be nice to people, whether those held in society's high self-esteem or especially to people of low status. God can do anything he wants. He doesn't have to wash the feet of his disciples. He doesn't have to be kind or merciful or gracious. And he doesn't have to save people from a horrible life without him. But the nature of God the Father that we know, the nature of Jesus is to love all and to extend his love. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. So in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, we see the hero, Savior, in action. He goes to a well and talks to a woman in a time when women were not thought of as important. And to make matters worse, he talks to a Samaritan woman. And remember, Jesus is Jewish, and the Samaritans and the Jews, they don't get along. And this woman has had five marriages, one after another, and was in the midst of fornication, which is sexual relationship outside of marriage. She was living with a guy, um, not married to. But Jesus wanted to save her from that kind of life where she was not flourishing. He told her that in him, she would find living water, a water from which she would never thirst. What Jesus meant was that the continual source of life comes through a personal relationship with a loving God. Jesus was kind to her, tender-hearted, and offering her living water, he was indeed her savior. He told her that he is the Messiah, the one who came to save people. And because of the loving kindness the Samaritan woman saw in Jesus and the living hope he offered her, she then takes she takes off and runs to tell other people what she has found out. Meanwhile, Jesus' disciples return from town with food and urge him to eat something. But Jesus says, again, another metaphor, my food is to do the will of him, God the Father, who sent me and finish his work. He tells them, look around you. And then there's this great, great quote. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Suddenly, a crowd gathered around Jesus, and they are people to whom the woman told about Jesus, and they are the harvest Jesus was talking about. So the Gospel of John says this, many of the Samaritans from the town um, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So the question before us today is this. If the character of Jesus is a hero savior and rescuer, and we are followers of Christ, shouldn't we have that same kind of nature in us 
that we would join Jesus' mission to help rescue people by telling them about Jesus who can truly save them. Shouldn't we be like the Samaritan woman who excitedly told her neighbors about Christ? And if we don't want to, what's the wall? What's the hindrance that's blocking us? What really is the hurdle from stopping us to want to talk to others about Jesus? If we are to be like Jesus, if we say we follow him, if he is telling us that the fields are ready and ripe for harvest, shouldn't we be dedicated to the work that our Lord asked us to do? He couldn't make it any clearer when he said in the Gospel of Luke, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And for many of us, when we think, when we think um, about when he said that, we think, oh, what he really meant was, let's find some other people other than us to be those workers. Better yet, we could pay people to do that work for him. He's not talking about me. I just got to find some workers to send out into the field. But then when we read the very next verse, we read Jesus saying, go, I am sending you out. And we go, oh, bummers, not me, not me. When I sing the song, here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? What I really mean is, there they are, Lord. It is they, Lord. They have heard you calling in the night. And then it gets worse because the full sentence is this. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Lambs among wolves, double bummer. You mean leading people to the Savior Jesus is not easy? It might be dangerous? You may not have noticed that in today's society, it's kind of like, no, not kind of, it's strongly unchristian. And they don't like Christians. And a lot of it's our fault. They have found us judgmental, polarized, hypocritical. And much of the time, let's be honest, churches are guilty of that, are bad. But more than ever, people want to see how we live. If we are really followers of Jesus, the Messiah, what difference is he making in our lives? How are we when we have to resolve conflict or problems or need to forgive or receive forgiveness or are humble? Or are we? And yes, in this society, Christians will be mocked and persecuted and disenfranchised and disrespected in many ways. In China and in India, it's even worse. But friends, even if Christians are lambs among wolves, we are still called to love everyone and share the love of Jesus. But we say, well, wolves eat lambs. Yes, they do. So here is what is hard. Would we be willing to sacrifice our lives, our goods, our income, our time to lead them to the Savior Jesus for the harvest is plentiful, and get this, there's no plan B. You and I were always plan A. God could have snapped his fingers and say, oh, I'm going to make a million Christians today. Or he could say, okay, angels, legions of angels, just do the work of evangelism. But his plan A with no plan B is that you and I are supposed to go out like lambs among wolves where in other countries Two, we are disregarded or jailed or killed. We are to serve 
other people and show them the love of Christ. And I, I, you know, I've really been thinking and reading lately about what makes a hero be willing to risk his or her own life and rescue others. Now, it seems they, there are at least these three traits of a hero, and you may want to add to the list. But here's what I've come up with. It's normally a common person, like you or me. Second, with a person with a compassionate heart to save people from death or suffering. And third, who doesn't have to, but is willing to suffer or die in the attempt to save others. I mean, I'm looking at and reading about Congressional Medal of Honor winners, you know, who are in the military. It's like, what makes them do that? Can we be a hero? Can we be someone like Harriet Tubman, who uh, she risked her lives to free slaves in the 1800s? They called her Moses because she saved so many people. Um, you may know she was born into slavery in Maryland. She was beaten often and had suffered severe headaches and seizures from the time she was a teenager because a man threw a two-pound weight that struck her in the head uh, because she wouldn't restrain a runaway slave. And once she was whipped five times before breakfast and carried the scars on her back for all of her life. And between 1850 and 1860... She made 19 trips uh, from the north to the south, back up to the north, using the famous Underground Railroad. And she helped save more than 70 people from slavery to freedom. And time after time, she snuck back into the south, bring slaves into the north, and she surely would have been killed or at least tortured if caught. You may not know this. She was a devout Christian. And she spoke um, of uh, consulting with God. That's how she called her prayers. And when she led the slaves finally across the border into safety, she would often yell out this phrase, glory to God and Jesus too, one more soul is safe. One more soul is safe. Another hero from another time would also say something similar. Incredibly, very similar. And his quote was, Lord, please help me get one more. Now, who said that? There's a man named Desmond Doss. You might know him from Mel Gibson's movie, Hacksaw Ridge, where actor Andrew Garfield played the role of Desmond Doss. Because of his Christian faith, Desmond did not touch a rifle. Uh, fellow soldiers persecuted Doss physically, emotionally, for much of his training days for being a conscientious objector. Uh, to them, Desmond was a coward. Officers would not allow him to have a weekend pass to see his wife or a distant brother. They mocked him for wanting to take the Sabbath off. If you can believe this, they beat him up for ironically trying to follow the Ten Commandments, his own fellow soldiers. Last summer... Uh, I read books about him. I watched a documentary about him. I watched Hacksaw Ridge again, trying to figure out what makes a hero like that. And can we be heroes? He basically wanted to live a life that pleased God. And for Doss, that meant keeping the Sabbath, not killing anyone, and saving people because that is what Jesus would do. So Desmond became a medic in the army to save people. But still the soldiers ridiculed him. But then, during a battle, April 1, 1945, in Okinawa, 
During World War II, Desmond Doss would not leave the battlefield for 12 straight hours. Incredibly, he alone saved the lives of 75 people, dragging them to safety by himself while under fire. He would drag a wounded man from the battlefield to like a high cliff, then tie a rope around the wounded man and lower him hundreds of feet to a waiting jeep that would take the wounded to a medical unit. He did that over and over again. Ironically, he saved many of the men who mocked him and called him coward. He even saved two enemy Japanese soldiers for a total of 75 men. 75 men. Tubman saved 70. Desmond Doss saved 75. Desmond was constantly shot at, shot at. He was wounded while he did that heroic act. But time and time again, he went back to the battlefield, though weary and tired, wounded, and hated by his comrades, just so he could save more lives. His prayer over and over again was, Lord, please help me get one more. And back he went. He basically wanted to live a life that pleased God. He felt it was the right thing to do. He had the character of God. In a sense, he saw in that battlefield that the harvest was plentiful, and there were many who needed saving. He was a lamb among wolves, but he went back into danger because he believed the Lord would be with him, and the Lord would help him. And in rescuing his comrades, he experienced the joy of knowing they were saved. For Desmond Doss, his prayer over and over again was, Lord, please help me get one more. For Harriet Tubman, it was glory to God and Jesus too. One more soul is safe. So the question is, could we have that in our hearts in wanting to lead people to God? Nobody's shooting at us or anything. Are we just worried like, what will people say if I talk about God? That's the persecution. Could we be part of the Savior's plan to save people, to show them that a life with the Lord is far better than a life without Him? Now, as I've been thinking about what does it take for a common, ordinary man or woman to be a hero or rescuer, Savior, I thought again of the the story of Dunkirk. In May of 1940, during World War II, the 500,000 man allied army of the British, Belgium, and French armies were about to be completely annihilated, a half a million at one time. The Nazis had trapped them on the beaches of Dunkirk in France. In 1940, Winston Churchill needed an effective rescue mission. The entire war would be lost if he lost that many men. So Churchill decided to send thousands of 2,000 carriers and destroyers to pick up the trapped men at Dunkirk. But that would mean only 30 to 40,000 at most would be rescued. The rest would be taken prison or prisoner or killed unless he could figure out a plan. So the clock was ticking. And to make matters worse, the English Channel was littered with mines. And whoever went out to save those men on the beaches put their lives at risk. But Churchill sent out the destroyers and carriers, I think actually 35 at one time. And since they were deep water vessels, that was a problem because they couldn't get near the beach. So they had to send out landing craft to ferry out the soldiers from the beach to the carriers. And that was obviously low numbers and slower. 
But the destroyers and carriers went, and um, the German positions on the coast near Dunkirk fired at the British ships, and when the British ships came, they trapped Allied soldiers, queued up uh, to be rescued. And on the first day, 7,000 men were saved. After three days, 70,000 men were saved. Good news, but they're never going to get the remaining 400,000 uh, out in time before the German ships arrived, killed or captured, and the troops uh, killed or captured the remaining Allied troops in Dunkirk. So the only way more men could be saved faster was if every single British citizen in southern England who had a boat would enter the English Channel that was filled with mines and sailed to Dunkirk to pick up the soldiers even though they would be targets for Nazi artillery, at least. And so for the salvation of England, the cry went out to common British citizens with any kind of ferry, dinghy, speedboat, lifeboat, or if they're rich, expensive yacht. And the call was for common heroes to enter the dangerous water to save the trapped soldiers. And so May 28, 1940, it happened. 700 owners of speedboats, yachts, ferries, merchant marine crafts, motorized lifeboats, any small boat answered the call, and they all sailed as a huge, brave civilian armada to Dunkirk Beach to save their brothers in trouble. And to make matters worse, as they sailed for their rescue mission while trying to dodge the mines lurking below the water surface, waves of Nazi fighter planes came and started shooting and bombing them. An enemy U-boat, submarines, closed in like ferocious sharks, or should I say, like hungry wolves among lambs, and shot torpedoes at them. These common-day heroes were bankers, dentists, taxi drivers, yachtsmen, longshoremen, boys, engineers, fishermen, civil servants, to name a few, all answered the call. And onward they sailed on their rescue mission, these brave civilians and military. And unfortunately, during that time, more than 200 British and Allied sea craft were sunk, another 200 damaged, but on they went trying to save the men at Dunkirk. Royal Air Force lost 145 aircraft trying to defend the nine-day evacuation. In the end, the call for civilians helped save 338,000 trapped soldiers. Common, everyday folk went out to save people. They were heroes, they were rescuers, they were saviors to others. So, how does that apply to us? Today, we have the opportunity to save people from the hell on earth or the hell of eternity. And our church has been very involved in that and through compassion, Alone, you know, we try to save kids from sex traffic industry. And Compassion Sunday's coming up next month. Jesus said that when people don't follow him specifically, they end up in a lake of fire. If God is love, as the choir is saying, and people choose to live the rest of eternity without God, then they're choosing to live in a place without love.
which is like a lake of fire or a dark, cold room forever. We need to remember people and we need to help them, those who are lost to find Jesus. And remember that we were once lost like them. But it'll not be easy. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus told his 72 disciples at that time that the harvest was plentiful, that they needed to go out even as lamb among wolves, and they did it. And you know what? When they returned from the very first mission of telling people about Jesus, the Bible says the 72 returned with joy. Probably after all of their fear and trepidation, they they did it, and they came back to report that they had great joy. And sometimes we think that doing ministry for God is a drag, but it can result in great joy. Saving slaves during Civil War times is dangerous, but it was with great joy that Harriet Tubman got finally 70 men, women, and children to the safety of the North. Desmond Doss had a great joy in saving 75 men who would have died on the battlefield. And I'm sure for every British citizen who jumped in a boat to save men from Dunkirk, as hard as it was when they got back and brought those men back, they had great joy in doing that. I am fueled by the joy that I see of people finding living hope in Jesus. When I see people helped and healed and their lives are transformed. I think the disciples must have been so blown away and full of joy to see how they were used by God and it pleased Jesus so much. And here's what the rest of that Luke passage said. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your names. He replied, Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that these evil spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So let me close this talk by doing a little examination just of those verses. When we share the story of Jesus with people, the Lord says that he gives us his authority in his name. We speak in his name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with us always. We're never, ever, ever alone. And Jesus is with us as we talk to people about him. Second, he gives us power to fight the evil one who's trying to capture people and territory away from the Lord. I kept thinking about what makes a hero like Harriet Tubman and Desmond Doss or the many British common folk who got into their boats to save entrapped allied soldiers. The common thread is this. They all faced a real personal enemy. Racist slave owners for Harriet Tubman, enemy soldiers for Desmond Doss, um, the Nazis and Hitler for the Dunkirk rescuers. The enemy was real, personal, and evil. Today, as Jesus said, a real enemy is Satan, who is um, worse than Hitler, worse than Osama bin Laden, um, but we need not fear. Did we not sing in the earlier um, hymn, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, and lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. When we move out to rescue people, Jesus says it's like Satan falling from heaven. And lastly, 
He says, don't rejoice so much that God has given you this power to lead people and trample scorpions and snakes, meaning any evil obstacle, but rejoice and be full of joy that the people you lead to God will have their names written in heaven. That's great. They are saved from a life without God and are eternally with him. And if God is love and people choose or fooled to live eternally without God, then as I said, it's going to be a bad place because if God is love and they say, I don't want to be with you, it's a real dark place. So Jesus is our hero, more real than any Marvel character. He wasn't obligated to do it. He suffered for us. He died for us, took a bullet that was meant for us. It's a cause worth following to join him in his life mission to save others here on earth. And he's calling us to join him. And how do we evangelize? Nothing big. It's just sharing what Jesus has done for us. Tell people your story. Over coffee, during a walk, while watching a game, we could invite people to church for a fun event like a murder mystery night or to attend Alpha or a small group or a service here at Ko'olau or the Vine. It's why the two campuses exist. But it means to show a compassionate, helping heart, ready to comfort, strengthen, and encourage people. It might mean praying for someone, really caring for someone. At some point, we need to tell our story, tell the story of Jesus. And for some of us, actually, it might have been years since we've done that. It's one of the most courageous things we could ever do. Harvest is plentiful. Many don't know Jesus. Jesus says the workers are few. It's one of the reasons we're really trying to build the ministry here at Ko'olau and start the new ministry at the Vine. Jesus is hoping that every single man, woman, and child will say, here I am, Lord. I will do my part to help bring people into the safety of your arms. That they, in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that they will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So will we do our part and join the mission with Jesus? Let's be heroes for his sake that the words on our lips and in our souls for the rest of our lives will be, Lord, please help me get one more. Glory to God and Jesus too. One more soul is safe. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's a real new chapter for us to write. And we need your help and you need your power to do it right. But with head bowed and eyes closed. If there are any here who want to just say, Lord, can my heart change? Can my passion change to just say, Lord, please help me get one more? One more soul is safe. If that's your new desire, could you just raise your hand and I will see that and I will confirm that before the Lord and seal it. Just raise your hand right now and I'm just going to say a short prayer. You don't need to stand or anything. Just raise your hand. 
Okay, let me pray for you. Lord, you see these hands. And Lord, they're desiring to really serve you in a new way and have a new excitement and passion to lead others to you. Thank you for their courage of raising their hands. And may all of us learn more of what it means to be a hero in your eyes. May we answer your call when you call us. In Christ's name, amen. And that's always the question that will be before us. Did we live our lives for him? But I'm full aware, as your pastor, that life is hard and, and there are a lot of challenges and disappointments and, and barriers and burdens. And, and if any of you have something you want to bring before the Lord, please see our prayer team. And they'll be meeting right here in front of the cross, in front of the choir risers, and they would love to pray with you and lift up your concern to the Lord. And now for all of you, though, I have a blessing for your journeys, and so please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful grace and love of the hero Savior, of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may you know he is with you always. And may you have a heart to tell others that too. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus is our hero. He paid the ultimate price for everyone out of love for us all. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Pres on Twitter and Facebook Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.